It's good to be back. Glad to be back with you all. I know I was gone a week, but I missed you. You know, I don't know if you missed me, but I missed you. And of course, Brother Morris did a great job. I listened in and heard the preaching of the word Sunday. And so thank you, Morris, for doing that and uh, bringing the word. And uh, thank you all as well, Haven, for affording me the time to go and continue my schooling. Um, I, first and foremost, of course, my calling is to pastor pastoral ministry. But a secondary calling is indeed to continue my studies. And so thank you for affording me that time to do that. And uh, I just, I want to say again, I know we're kind of on the, hopefully, Lord willing, on the latter end of COVID. But I just want to say thank you all for the way you have responded as well. You know, throughout this time, this year, I mean, it's not been easy. You know that. <laughs> but I think, you know, by, by the grace of God, you know, we've, we've walked through this together. And, you know, you guys have done so commendably. Wearing the mask and everything else. And that's no fun. But just thank you all for that. And uh, I love you guys. And I'm, I'm thankful to be back. So thank you. Let's, let's turn to the, to the word then. And let's go ahead and pray and prepare our hearts for hearing the word of the Lord today. Let's pray. Father, we come this morning, we come in the fear of the Lord. And may we come in the fear of the Lord. We come and just, we come with a, with a holy reverence. You are infinitely great. You are worthy. You are holy. You are glorious. You are infinite. You are infinitely wise. Infinitely great. Infinitely sovereign. Infinitely loving and gracious and good and just. We thank you as we come this morning before you, the living God. You made us. And if we are in Christ, we are yours. And so we come rejoicing in this truth. We come before you, indeed, as your word says in Hebrews, naked and exposed before you. And with that being true, that we are indeed naked and exposed, you see every single one of us here this morning. You know our hearts, you know our thoughts, you know our lives, you know every bit of them. We come, Father, recognizing all of us are sinners and we need Christ every moment of every day. Christ is our need. He is our righteousness. And I pray, Father, and we pray together that if there's any of us here who are hiding right now as though we could hide from you, if we're hiding some secret sin, no one else knows about it, but you do, that today you would give us grace and that we would repent of these things. That we would not continue in the things that you indeed died for. Your son Jesus died for us and for those sins. And so help us, Lord. And if there's anyone here who not only has hidden sin, but they, are, they don't know you at all. May you today work in their hearts and help them to see and behold Christ. And be saved. 
So we come, Father, and recognizing that your love, and we just anchor ourselves in this truth, that your love is steadfast. How good it is that your love is steadfast, that you continue in it. And so we look to you this morning as our sure Savior. And so we pray, grow in us a holy reverence in our hearts this morning as we turn to your word and open our hearts that we may receive it all. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John. And uh, we'll be continuing here in this Gospel. We've been, we've been walking through it for more than a year now. And uh, just I know it's been such a delight as I've studied it and taken it in. And, and Lord willing, we'll be finishing it this year. And so uh, we're continuing it though today with John 17. So John 17, verses 6 through 19. So in our passage this morning, there is both a great deal of weight here and also a great deal of wonder as well. There's a a weightiness to what we're going to be reading here. And so it's, it's got a serious, kind of deep, profound kind of tone to it. And it will indeed require much of us. I know as, as I've studied it this week, you know, it's required much of me just trying to think through it and wrestle with everything that Jesus is praying here and trying to understand it and to believe it and to walk in it. And so there's a weightiness and yet intricately tied to its weightiness is wonder as well. It's, it's deep, it's depth. And profundity ought to lead us to, to adoration, to worship, to awe, and to, to wonder at God. And so often, you know, we kind of separate the two. You know, weightiness is over here, wonder is over here. But really, in truth, the one weightiness, it leads directly into the other wonder and awe and worship. And, you know, we kind of... We actually understand this practically, even though sometimes we don't necessarily apply it as we ought. So you can't help but marvel, marvel at all kinds of things in this world. I mean, just consider how you marvel at like, something like the Great Pyramid of Giza. You just you look at that. I mean, you're just like, whoa, you know, a lot of work was put into that. And so for a thousand years, it stood by itself as this tallest structure in the world with some 2.3 million blocks made of limestone of granite and mortar or you can't be can't help but be amazed at the 13,170 miles of the great wall of china what i mean that's that's amazing but with both of these you know you're marveling your amazement it came after the weight of tremendous deliberation, to tremendous thought, careful engineering, and work in the building of them. And to add to this, you know, the more you learn of these things, of the pyramid or the Great Wall of China or whatever else, their composition, you know, how it was built, the structure and its history, what happens? You just, like, 
wow, I mean, that they did all these things. It increases the wonder. It doesn't take away from the wonder, right? So depth doesn't take away from wonder. It actually adds to it. Well, here, with Jesus' prayer, it is certainly, you know, simple. I mean, we, we can read it here. Yet it's weighty. And it's wonderful. It's, it's depth is great. And so the wonder is all the greater. Yet we must go through the depths to get to the heights. And so join me then as we, we read this deep, weighty, and wonderful prayer of Jesus's. And so let's continue it here with John 17, verse 6. So may God help us and bless the reading of his word. Amen. So John 17, 6. Jesus continues praying. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them. And have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Amen. So here as we continue this prayer of Jesus's, you know, we, we began it a few weeks ago, but even as we just continue, as I began just saying that as you read it and you take it in and everything else, you can't help but just kind of see how breathtaking this prayer is. You know, it encourages and it confounds. It might well be compared to, you know, looking up into the night sky, you know. You know, when you're really far out, you know, far separated from the light of a town or a city. And you just kind of are there and, you know, no lights. You just simply look up and you're just marveling at God's handiwork. You know, this, this greatness on display the heavens declaring the glory of God. And yet, so 
even at the same time, you can, you can marvel at it in that way. We also see that this prayer is also earthly as well, or earthy as well. It's, it's, it's for our instruct, instruction. It's not like far out there where you can't reach it. And so we see both. And so Jesus, he began his prayer here for himself, praying for himself. In verses 1 through 5, we saw that a few weeks ago. And what did he pray? He prayed that the Father would glorify the Son. And so essentially, if you remember, what was he praying? He was praying, Father, take me all the way to the cross. Glorify your Son. And what happens in the Son being glorified? It's not that he alone is glorified in that, in him being lifted up. And in the Son being lifted up, who else is glorified but the Father also in the lifting up of the Son? And so we saw all that in verses 1 through 5. And now, as Jesus continues his prayer here, it doesn't begin with another petition. Of course, there are many petitions here in these verses this morning, which we'll get to. But he doesn't begin with those, but instead he magnifies. And we see it magnifies the fullness of the faithfulness of Christ. The fullness of the faithfulness of Christ. We see that in verses 6 through 8. Now this isn't the first time that we've seen this in this gospel. You know, we've seen that again and again. Emphasized. You know, highlighted. Magnified. God wants you to see this. It's important. And so we would do well to see it again. Because it's, it's in fact interwoven into Jesus' prayer here. Jesus was completely faithful. Now, lest we think highly of ourselves, he is the only man about whom that this can be said in all of history. So how many of you have been 100% faithful? Raise your hand. Just don't raise your hand. (laughs) Because then... You'd be lying. So, so how many of you have walked through life just without a flaw? You know? Without one wrinkle of sin, without one marred step of disobedience. And yeah, the answer is none of us. Not one. Now, I say that, but maybe you have as well. I've known people like that, though, you know? Who think they have, you know. They, they say with their mouth, oh no, 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 I'm not perfect. I, I'm a sinner. They may even say that. But man, they don't live that way for themselves or for you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They act, they act like that they are the height of faithfulness. You know, anyone who wants to know what faithful looks like, me. You know, that, that's kind of their disposition. And what do they do? They go around not with this gracious demeanor, fruit of the Spirit, they go around with a hammer, ready to break you down, break their children down, break their family down, break anyone down who doesn't follow their standards. And so what a burden. What a burden. And if that's you, let me just say, you are carrying an immense weight you were not meant to carry. It makes me think of the mountain of legality or legalism mountain in Pilgrim's Progress. 
this massive mountain. As you climb it, there are all these rules you have to use to climb up to get to the top. And so you're there climbing and climbing while rule by rule you simply cannot keep them all. And what happens? You just keep falling down. You can't climb it. You keep trying. You keep fooling yourself into thinking that if you just try harder, if you make more rules, if you further distance yourself from others, then finally you'll be able to climb that mountain with all the rules that you've made. Let me just tell you, you never will. You never will. Hear it. If that's you, you will never be able to climb that mountain. Our sins and our failures are great. Yet not so with Jesus. He was fully, truly faithful from the depths of his being. Sincere, right heart, every single time, always out of love for God. No, no even small stain of sin. Even close. He was faithful in all things such that his death would be what? It would be our life. Not that mountain. I mean, throw that away. It's Him. In Him is life. In Him is our righteousness. In Him is our complete acceptance before God. So how do we see that here? We see it here in verse 6. So Jesus, He faithfully manifested or revealed the Father's name. He faithfully revealed the Father's character. He faithfully revealed the Father's power. And he sat and he did all that the good Father willed. And as he did this, he was directing all people to himself that they may know the Father. And so Jesus, he faithfully gave them the Father's words. And so verse 8 For I have given them the words that you gave me. Verse 14. And I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. He's faithful. And not only this, but Jesus, he faithfully kept. He protected his disciples. So verse 12. While I was with them, I kept them in your name which you have given me. I have guarded them. So he was faithful, and, and so we see here how good Jesus is, the good shepherd. And he, I say he is the good, like how good he is, not how good he was, right? Because he's, he's alive right now. He is risen. Even right now, he is standing faithful before the throne of God. right he is faithful and true so into this in view of jesus as jesus having faithfully revealed the father we see here that the disciples they believed verse 7 through 8 he revealed and they believed as they took hold of the gospel 
They responded to it. And we see this here. So, verse 6, they kept his word. Verse 8, they received his words. Verse 8 again, and they believed. Now, I know they're not, they don't fully understand everything, right? We've seen that. They have a kernel of faith. They don't get it all. They don't quite understand everything Jesus is saying here. But we see what it is then here is to be our right response as well to these things, to his revelation, to Christ revealing, manifesting himself. And so we need also behold and believe the revelation of God. So you need to behold Christ. You need to see that he is indeed the Christ, that his words are true. He is who he says he is. He is the resurrection and the life. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? Death's doors coming for all of us. Do you believe it? It's coming for your family, for your children, those around us. Do you believe it? We behold him, behold him. So when you behold Christ, you don't just stop there. You see this wonderful, glorious, gracious, true Savior. You don't just kind of see it and say, all right, done. You see him, you behold him, and then you believe. You trust. You put your faith in him. You know, I remember how amazed I was as I read the Bible and I saw who Christ is and what he had done and how he alone could wipe away all my sin stains and that dreadful separation between God and myself. I beheld his beauty, his glory, and I yearned for him. And I gladly believed. That's what happens when you see him. It's, just, it's not like forcing, it's like, ah. Oh. Yes! I want him! I want Jesus! I want Christ! You run to him with gladness. You sell all you have and go buy that field. And in believing he is yours. And in believing he is yours. But not apart from faith. Faith is necessary. Jesus has revealed, he has given us God's word. We have our Bibles. You are now, right now, hearing the preaching of his word. He is speaking to you, and you are being called to believe. It's salvation by faith, not by works. It's Christ and Christ alone. You put anything in the place of him, any steps that you must Walk up any mountains you must climb and you will miss him. You must simply believe. So if you would keep climbing that mountain of rules, self-effort, self-help, the weight of that mountain, it will come bearing down upon you on that great day as evidence against you. Look at all the rules you were saying everyone must keep and all the rules you did not keep. So may you just simply do what we see here. Simply look to Christ and believe and you'll be free.
fight. Amen. So as we continue here, and we proceed on, we see then here our faithful Savior goes on. And Jesus, he prays for his disciples. He prays for his disciples. So verses 9 through 19. So this, this sums up the who of verses 9 through 19. Who he's praying for. He's praying here for the 11. So he's, he prays in view of the truth that they are his. And so he says plainly there in verse 9. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me. For they are yours. And in verse 12, what he would have us see, though, that, that here, that not just that they are his now, like this happened just in these last moments, but they were his from all eternity. We see that in that verse 9. What does it say there? For those whom you have given me, past, a past action with present implications. And then also verse 10, all mine are yours and yours are mine and I'm glorified in them. And so before the foundation of the world, they were the fathers, they were the sons. So again, like we began here, right? This isn't this is, this is what we're seeing here. Again, we have this, the weighty kind of deeps here, things well beyond our comprehension. Not to say that we need not comprehend it and seek to comprehend it well. To think upon it. But we just, we see it and we see the deeps, the weighty truths here. And that is to produce what in us? It's to produce wonder and awe. We are just to come to it and say, I believe. I may not understand everything, but I believe it. Because God's word says it. I'm going to think hard about it. Try to understand it well. But there's a point by which I cannot go farther. And I'm just going to believe it by faith. So weighty. These weighty truths. From all eternity. His to produce in us wonder. Such things we need humbly bow and declare with a hymn, the Lord is King, let the heavens ring, God reigns, let the earth be glad. So let the weightiness, the depths, do what they're supposed to do and lead us into the heights and lead us to wonder at God. He's God. Would you expect him to be easily understood? infinite and so Jesus he prays for them and as he does he sets petition after petition before the father and I'm going to try to go through these rather quickly but not too quickly so let's look here so the first petition he prays that they would be protected he prays that they would be protected and so he prays in verse 11 there keep them in your name so that is that he, he prays and he's praying for their protection. Jesus is going away to be with the Father. And so he's praying, guard them, keep them, protect them in the Father's name under Jesus' revelation within God's power. Keep them in your name. 
Now, he doesn't pray here, verse 15. What is he going to pray? Well, he doesn't pray, take them out of the world. But he prays that they may be protected, they may be kept, they may be guarded from the evil one, verse 15. So he prays that they wouldn't be deceived, they wouldn't be misled, they wouldn't be devoured by the evil one or by the devil. Why? Because they aren't of the world and the world hates them. It hates them for it. You're not part of our kingdom. You have a kingdom of your own that goes beyond the United States, goes beyond Australia, goes beyond China, goes beyond Africa. What are we going to do with you? You're not earthly. And so they hate him. And they hate you. Yet, likewise, Jesus isn't telling you here what you need to do is go find a cave somewhere and leave the world and find kind of the deepest hole and just jump into it. You know? Just go find your own corner and just stay over there, okay? That's, that's not what he's saying. But I think some of us might be doing just this. We might not live in a cave, but we have, we have carved them into our homes. You know, no one else is allowed in. We've carved them into our families. We've carved them into our churches. We've carved them into our lives. No one else is allowed in here. You aren't called to be little monks, friends. That's not what we're called to be. Yes, the world will not treat the disciples kindly, nor will they treat you kindly, but he doesn't pray that you would leave the world like Enoch or Elijah. You are to be his witnesses in the world. Not in a cave, not hidden away in your home, not hidden away in our churches, but in the world. We're not monks. And hopefully we're not practical atheists. Saying we believe one thing and not really believing it at all. And so he prays for their protection. And he didn't lose one. Now, in saying that, you might be like, well, wait a minute. What about verse 12? You know, seems kind of like he lost one. What about Judas? Well, we've really not been taken by surprise in him saying this, right? I mean, we've, we've heard this over and over. Jesus himself has said that this is exactly what is going to happen. There will be one among you who will betray me. And he knows who it is. <laughs> so it's not like this catches him off guard. And so how we understand this then? Well, he, Judas, was among them, yes, but he was not one of them. First John, they went out, went out from us because they were not really of us. So we are told this son of destruction was foretold in Scripture. And so God, he knew and he gave Judas, Judas over to his depraved mind. And so verse 12 is basically here saying, See, not one was lost. God kept those who are his. No failure. Like Dennis read from John 6, no failure. Not one will be lost. 
mean, what impetus to witness and share the gospel? Go and tell people about Christ. His word will not fail. People will receive it. So that's one of his petitions. And then he prays, going faster. He prays also that they would be one. So on the heels of praying for their protection, he prays that they would be protected unto being one in Christ. So he prays there in verse 11. Holy Father, keep them in your name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. So he prays that they would be protected for the purpose of their oneness in Christ. So in view of God's holy character, even as the Son and the Father are one, incredible that he compares it this way, but he prays then that they would be one. That's the second petition. And then third, he prays for their joy. So we see that in verse 13. And so just see again, if you've missed it, this major emphasis on joy. We cannot say that joy in Christ is some minor note in following Christ. Jesus wants you to have joy. So third, that's his third petition. Fourth, he prays that they would be sanctified in the truth, verses 17 through 19. So that is that they are to be set apart. They are to be set apart. They are to be the set apart ones by means of the truth. And what is the truth? Verse 17, your word is truth. So they will be made holy, you will be made holy, growing as set-apart followers of Christ in accordance with and by means of the word and the truth of the gospel. That's how you're going to be sanctified. Now as we kind of read Jesus' words here, what do we make of what he says there in verse 19? And for their sake I consecrate or sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Now... What he's saying here is, he's not saying that this, this means that he's in need of greater holiness. Like he's, like he's lacking in some way. But saying, even what sanctification means, or sanctified means, is he is set apart. He is set apart for, the, for what? For the mission of the cross. And he consecrates himself. Sets himself apart for this mission that they might be sanctified in the truth, that they may be set, set apart for the gospel, that they would be sent out for the sake of his name and for the salvation of the peoples through his death, through his burial, and through his resurrection. Amen. He is set aside for this. So in all these ways then, Jesus prays to the Father. So in view of all of his petitions, how, how might we bring them to bear over us, over our lives, that we may be more like Christ? Well, first, learn from Jesus' prayer. Learn from Jesus' prayer. And so this, this could just well be a point we're going to continue. We might even have it again next week. We need to continue to learn from his prayer here. So we need to see the weight of it, the wonder of it, and the manner of it. 
See how Christ, he, play, he prays with such solemnity, such an intimate fellowship, such a communion with his Father and how he, he reasons out each of his petitions before the Father. We may now approach the Father as our Father in Christ. And so how instructive it is how Jesus is praying here, how right it is for us to pray, setting before God the promises of his word, humbly seeking his face in view of his character, in view of his works, and on the basis of the name of Jesus Christ. You promised this, God. I ask that you would answer. You promised this. This is your character. You're good. You're holy. You're righteous. On this basis, I ask that you would do this. He reasons it out. And so we are too also in our prayers. Arguing, in a a sense, God's promises and his character and for the sake of the gospel in the name of Christ, that God would be glorified. Instructive, isn't it? For your prayers. And then second, wage war. Wage war, Christians. Jesus' prayer for the disciples is to be protected and kept. And he prayed that, but that did not mean that they just kind of laid down and said, okay, he prayed for us, we're good now. You know, that was good. We're just going to kind of do the coasting kind of thing here now. No. What are we told? What does Paul say in Ephesians? Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. He doesn't say, yeah, Jesus prayed for us. I think we're good. You have to wage war. So if you've been laying down in this Christian walk, just kind of coasting, there's no coasting. Satan wants to destroy you. If you're coasting, man, you probably have a lot that you need to go to the Lord with right now. You need his help in a lot of ways. You're not meant to live this life out apart from Christ, apart from his word, apart from the body of Christ. I think that's part of what happened with COVID and what's happened with COVID is like Satan has said, let's kind of put these people on their little island over here and I will destroy them. And they will never turn, they will never come back to church again. I'll just lead them away from the faith. So you need to wage war. Stand up. You need to fight the good fight of the faith. And then third, Take Christ-founded joy seriously. So Jesus will not have us miss joy in him. Just to point it out again, John 15, 11, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. John 16, 20, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. 16, 22, so also you have sorrow now, but I will say, see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. John 16, 24, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. 
He wants us to be glad. But not just like this general kind of gladness, like going around with your smile on your face all the time, like chipperness, like being chipper all the time. He wants us, and we are only glad when we are going to him and abiding in Christ. Is, this joy is only bound to Christ and Christ alone. It is as the psalmist says, you make known to me the path of life. It is in your presence that there is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. It's him. Your joy is bound directly to Christ. John 15, 14, all these things Jesus is bringing together here in this prayer. Abide in me. Keep my commandments. And fourth, be his witnesses. Be his witnesses. So a cavely kind of Christianity is not an option for us. Instead, Jesus, he says in verse 18, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So even as the disciples, they took up this charge, so are we. We're to never, 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 never lose sight of it. We're to be like an arrow sent out, going into the world, never losing sight of the target. You're always going out into the world to go and what? Make disciples. Regardless of what your job is, where you live, or anywhere else, that's always your goal. That's always your primary calling. Your secondary calling may be an accountant, an engineer, or whatever, but your primary calling is that target right there. And you have been sent out like an arrow to hit that target. Again and again and again and again, as you raise your family, as you work, as you press on, remember that you are sent out. Go and make disciples. It's always your call. So, Christians, fly. Hit the mark in your neighborhood, in your families, at work, everywhere. As he was sent into the world, you are going to go also. And fifth and lastly, be sanctified. You are to be sanctified in Christ, according to Christ, and in greater conformity to Christ. How? Through the gospel. Preaching unto yourself. Romans 8.1. Satan's there accusing trying to get you to that legalistic mountain, perhaps. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You don't go there. You preach it. He died for me. His blood is sufficient. You have no accusation against me. Also through his revelation of himself, through his good words, and through his body. So practically then, you and I need the gospel, you need the word of God, and you need the body of Christ. A privatized Christianity is a misnomer. It's just a total contradiction. I know that's the way that you've heard it, and, and you know, I've got my faith here, I can practice my faith at home, I'm good, you know. But that's not even possible. I mean, Jesus does not give that an, as an option. If you love Jesus, as the saying goes, you'll love his body. But if you don't, you won't even be there. 
you won't, you won't give a flip about it. And how many are just there? So you and I need to take up the word privately and take it up in the hearing of it publicly, like right now, Christ talking to you. And then go and take it up and proclaim it everywhere. So even as we have done then, so go on. We've heard this prayer, we've read it, but we haven't plumbed the depths of it. (laughs) There's more. But go on and consider his weighty and wonderful prayer. Yes, we have here great weight and great wonder. Yet let the weight of Jesus' words here lead you to wonder and to a life, a life of adoration, of praise and awe and worship. A life set apart to Christ as the body of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come and just ask for your help to apply your word now to our souls, to our minds, to our thinking, to our emotions, to our life, to our families, to our homes, to this church, to all churches, to living out in the world, to our work, to everything we put our hand to. Help us, Lord. Help us to respond if there is some sin that we need to repent of this morning if there is some action you're calling someone here to do, whether that means to put their faith and to believe in Christ. They've beheld Christ this morning and now they need to put their faith in him. May they do that. May they believe and trust in him. Perhaps it's baptism. Maybe they haven't been baptized. They need to obey the Lord and believers' baptism. And so we pray they would do that. Obey your command. We pray that you would be with us as we sing and respond. May we respond from our hearts to you. May we take up this this prayer and consider it. As we go home to our families, as we eat together, as we go throughout the day and talk with our children, may we bring it up and talk to them about it and say, what do you think? What did you think about it? What did you think about the word and what what God's word says, what Jesus prayed? How should we apply this to our lives, to our family, to our home. If that means changing something, may we do it. May that be our heart, Lord. And so we lift all these things to you and we ask all of it in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.